This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Yeah, we're starting a new series. If this is your first week here, you picked a good week because we're starting a new series today um, where we're basically preaching through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, which is basically this guy Matthew wrote the story of the life of Jesus. Uh, there were three other guys who also wrote the story of the life of Jesus. Uh, they all differ slightly. Uh, but this is Matthew's version um, of everything that he thinks is important for us to know about what Jesus said and did. And so we're kind of working our way through that uh, from now until Easter. And Easter is not that far away this year. It's one of those weird years with an early Easter. Um, we're also doing this uh, this Gospel of Matthew in our Lent Bible reading thing. Uh, so if you would like to join that, you can. There's a Facebook group. Uh, there's, an, there's the Bible app. Um, we're basically reading our way through Matthew. Uh, so some of you guys, I know, have been reading Matthew since, well, I was going to say all week, but no, since Wednesday, because Wednesday is when Lent started. Um, and we're up to chapter 4. So I'm going to preach on a few key verses from chapter 4 tonight. Uh, those of you who've been reading along at home have all the context you need. Uh, for everyone else, this is right near the start of Jesus' public ministry part of his life. I'm going to read. I think there's a slide. It's the next one. There it is. Matthew 4, 18 to 22. It's just a few verses. <clears throat> As Jesus was walking... Beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I've got to say, uh, I love stories. I love all kinds of stories. I love stories in books, in movies, TV shows, games. I love uh, real-life stories in documentaries or biographies or, or the kind of real-life story you get when you watch your sport team every week for a whole season and the kind of ebbs and flows and up and down, the wins, the losses, ends up telling a story. And I really love personal stories. Just before we gathered here tonight, uh, we got to hear Andy's personal story. Thank you, Andy. Um, in, in the little PM Connect group, uh, they're kind of doing people sharing their life story each week. I'm on next week. If you want to hear my story, you can. Um, there is something really powerful about hearing someone's story, especially their God story. Like the story of what God has done in someone's life uh, is, is powerful, it's impacting, it's encouraging, it's inspiring. And so, this week, I was getting ready to prepare this sermon and I started imagining, how cool would it be to hear that kind of God story from one of these characters in the Bible, from one of these fishermen? 
Like, imagine if we had uh, a record of the kind of first-person account of what it was like to be Simon, also known as Peter, in this story. And so, I did some uh, creative writing this week, and I decided to write Simon Peter's God story, his testimony. Um, I've, I've kind of gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, found all of the references to all of the things that you could ever want to know about this character and tried to kind of piece it together and kind of, you know, tried to imagine how he would talk when he was an older man at the end of his life. I had to go with the end of his life so he can tell his whole life story. Um, And of course, you know, there are some gaps in the historical record for you history nerds. Uh, So I've had to use some creative license here and there. Uh, I do have a version here that has in the margin the Bible references for all of the random things that I include in this. Uh, So you can look at this later if you want proof that I actually did the research and didn't just make the whole thing up off the top of my head. Um, But I had to be creative at times. So I'm going to read it to you. And uh, hopefully it is as impactful as hearing anyone's personal story of God in their life. My father named me Simon. His name was Jonah, which I reckon is a pretty good name for a fisherman, right? I don't really remember that much about my dad, to be honest. He died soon after I was... My younger brother Andrew was born when we were pretty young. And Andrew and I were basically brought up by Zebedee and Salome. Uh, They were a couple who lived in our village. uh, And they had a couple of kids about our age. And so we were just a family. They were pretty well off, I suppose, and I suppose they could look after us and afford us, but it was really good of them, all the same. Zebedee owned a fishing business, and so Andrew and I, when we got a bit older, worked for him, along with his actual sons, James and John. The four of us were like four brothers. We grew up together, we went to synagogue together, we learned to read the scriptures together, we got up to mischief together, and of course, we worked on the fishing boats together. At least that was until Andrew and John went down to Bethany on the Jordan, way down near Jericho, and left us to work without them. You see, they'd heard about this traveling preacher Uh, They called him John the Baptist, a preacher and a prophet who lived in the wilderness down that way. And when I say down that way, like we're talking way down that way, like 200 kilometers walk away. And so obviously after a while, uh, we thought we'd like to go visit. And we did, and they told us the most amazing thing. They'd met this man down there. John the Baptist had introduced this man to them, and they said this man was the Messiah, like the actual Messiah, the the guy, the king that God had promised his people that we'd been waiting hundreds of years for. And of course, I had to meet him. And when I did, he was incredible. Just like they said, he even gave me a new name. Cephas, which in your language, I know, is Peter. Uh, It means rock. Mm, Awesome name, right? You can call me Peter if you like. Most people do. Anyway, we all hung out down that way for a bit. Uh, And then 
Well, then the Roman soldiers came and they arrested John the Baptist. And all of a sudden, you know, he's been arrested and, and then they, King Herod had him beheaded and the whole show just wound up. We packed up our things and trekked all the way back to Capernaum. Uh, that's where I lived at this point, in Capernaum. Uh, I had a wife there, and we went back home, you know, to start our life again. And, of course, we had to go back and help Zebedee with the fishing business. And so we made the long 200K journey back. And, you know, my brothers, they were a bit down. This whole disciples of John the Baptist thing hadn't really worked out the way they planned. But also... We're feeling really, really intrigued about this Jesus guy. And wouldn't you know it, no sooner had we got back to the lake in Galilee, there we are beside the lake cleaning our nets, and who should show up but Jesus? I mean, to be fair, he was from Nazareth, which is not that far from the lake. But still, oh my goodness, he was here speaking to us. He shows up while we're cleaning our nets and we get to talking and he says, I've got this new project, picking up where John the Baptist left off, but not down there near Jericho, but up here in Galilee. And he says to us, and I'll never forget it, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Get it? Fishers of men? Like fishermen, fishers of men? Because we were fishermen. You get it, right? Okay, cool. It's a pun. And I've never forgotten that day. It was the first day of the rest of my life. The four of us said goodbye to Zebedee, and he was really good about it, to be fair. And we started following this Jesus all around the region of Galilee, all around Samaria, down into Judea, Jerusalem. And I saw him do the most amazing things. I saw him heal the sick. I heard him preach these incredible sermons. I saw him walk on water. I got to walk on water with him. It was wild. I saw him transformed into bright and shining glory on the sacred mountain. I heard the voice of God the Father speaking out of the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And yet, in spite of all of that, I failed him. I failed him so badly. On the night he was arrested, just like John had been arrested three years before, they asked me if I knew him. And I said, no. I was afraid, and I denied him. But he forgave me. That's what he does, you know. He loves, and he loves, and he loves. This is the Jesus who wouldn't let me refuse when he asked to wash my feet like a slave. He's got this irresistible, selfless love. And you know, 
how it went next, don't you? How he died on that crucifix outside of Jerusalem. He died to forgive me and you, all of us, no matter what we've done. It cost him his life. It cost him everything. But he did it all the same. And I saw that empty tomb on the third day after he died. And then soon after, I saw him alive. I saw him face to face. And we talked together and we laughed together and we cried together and we ate together. Alive and somehow even more than alive. I can't quite put words to what it was like. Jesus was my friend and my teacher and my Lord and my Savior. He taught me how to live. He taught me how to speak and act with wisdom. I've always been a pretty hard on your sleeve, speak before you think kind of guy. But Jesus worked on that over the years, I reckon. And of course, he taught me how to be a fisher of men, just like he said he would. He taught me how to tell people about him, about who he was, about what he's done for you and for me for the world. I did that in Jerusalem, first of all, and for that they threw me into prison. But this time, I wasn't afraid anymore. The Holy Spirit gave me the words to say and the courage to say it. And he sent an angel to open the doors of the prison and bring me out unharmed. And I preached again and again and again in Jerusalem and in Samaria, in Lydda and Joppa, Caesarea, all over the place. And now, here I am in the city of Rome, in the centre of the world, all these years later and so far from the sea of my youth. And I continue to share the news that Jesus is the Lord my Lord and Saviour. I'm still fishing for souls to tell everyone like I'm telling you. This Jesus is the Saviour of the world. Will you follow? So that's my little creative writing exercise. I think it's amazing, and, and I really enjoyed kind of doing the process of writing that. I wish rather than hearing it, you got to do the process, because uh, there's so much gold in really uh, meditating on these characters, these disciples. I really see myself in them. Like in doing this, I think I put a bit of myself into Peter. You can't help but do that when you're doing this kind of creative process. But yeah, these are ordinary people from all kinds of walks of life. This guy happened to be a fisherman, uh, but the disciples are all, all different kinds of people. And they're all flawed, and they all stuff up. <laughs> and, you know, there's stories of the disciples arguing with each other, like having petty disagreements about stuff, harboring prejudice in their heart against people that they really shouldn't have. 
um, generally acting as, as not very good Christians. And I think I find that really reassuring, that it's like, I want to be a follower of Jesus, I want to be like a disciple, but in this day and age. And to see these guys, and you know, men and women, following Jesus, they don't set the bar too high. I find that reassuring. I don't know about you. And yet at the same time, you read these stories and you see these people changing the world. Like Peter, who preached that great Pentecost sermon, like the first ever church sermon uh, just after Jesus had died and risen again. This is the man who literally just weeks before that moment had denied he even knew Jesus. And now he's standing in front of a crowd and telling them all about it. And it all began, like we read just at the start, in Matthew 4. It began with that simple, famous call. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. To be a fisher of men. And I think Jesus is still calling people to follow him, just like he did down by the lake with Peter, Andrew, James, and John. So I wonder tonight, I wonder, is he calling you? And if he is, what is he calling you to do? I've got a few ideas, just to get your mind turning. Maybe, like Peter, he's calling you to share the news about him with someone who doesn't know it yet. Like, that was Peter's whole thing for his whole life after meeting Jesus, uh, was to be fishing for people. Maybe you've got a similar calling on your life. Or maybe uh, he's calling you to go somewhere new, to do something different to what you've done before. To turn over a new leaf, to try a new thing in a new place. Or maybe he's calling you to stay where you are, to keep going even when it's really tough, to stick at it through thick and thin, trusting him and keeping on keeping on. Maybe he's calling you to get alongside someone else, someone else who's got a calling like yours, and it's your role to be their encourager, to champion them, to equip them, to say, come on, you can do it, let's do it together. Maybe he's calling you to forgive. Maybe there's someone in your life that you need to offer the kind of forgiveness that he's given freely to you, and you're harboring in your heart resentment. Maybe he's calling you to do the right thing when it's going to cost you dearly to do it. And you're kind of facing this difficult decision. Do I do what is right and pay the price or do I stay silent or go along with the crowd or whatever it might be? Like I look at Peter, like I'm, I'm, I put one time that he went to prison uh, in my little creative writing exercise. But actually, Peter was in and out of prison all the time. Uh, and the tradition, that's not quite in the Bible, uh, but the tradition is that 
he was actually crucified at the end of his life, just like Jesus, except without a resurrection. It cost him his life. They're just some ideas. Maybe there's something else on your heart. Uh, or maybe you have no idea, and you're sitting here going, how would I even discover that? What does that even mean? Um, so, I'm going to get the band to come up, and give us a little bit of thinking music. Um, and I want to encourage you to reflect on this question. God, where are you leading me? Uh, you can kind of go a lot of different ways with the question. I thought I'd make it nice and open-ended, uh, and it kind of depends on where you're at. Um, so maybe the question really is, am I going to follow him or not? And maybe that's the thing that you want to kind of reflect on and think about now. Uh, what would it look like if I said yes to that call to follow? Uh, maybe for you, uh, you have said yes, and you've kind of just said an open-ended, yep, I'll go wherever you lead me. And now you need to say, well, God, where is that? Where are you leading me? Uh, to contemplate that, to think about that. I believe that God can speak to you, can guide you, can give you an answer to a question like, God, where are you leading me? Uh, it might be a, a question you need to ask for a while and think about for a while, or it might actually be a question you've already asked and already thought about, and now you're sitting here tonight going, I think I know the answer, but I don't I don't feel ready, or, or I don't know what to do with it, or I don't know what step one is, um, and maybe you're, you're ready to go, but you don't know you're ready yet. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, wherever you're at with that, um, I want to encourage you, uh, we're not going to just jump in and sing straight away, we've got time, um, to sit and to contemplate and to think and to pray. Uh, the band's going to play quietly. Uh, and we're going to just spend some time in reflection. Let's do it. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.